Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 114. 114, girls, how is everyone doing today? Oh my gosh, 114. You're speaking so fast because we have limited time. I am <laughs> <laughs> um, very sleepy. Like, no, I like woke up at some time around seven, saw that it was seven, rolled back around and fell asleep and I did not wake up till 3 p.m. Wow. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a lot of sleep by your standards. It is like, cause I mean, like usually like I'm fine with like anywhere from five to eight hours of sleep. But this time I was just like, I was out. Like I was out. Could not wake me for, uh, <laughs> for love or money. I was dead <laughs> to the world. Like but maybe tacos. Seriously. <laughs> maybe who knows? Like uh, I just, I just knocked out I don't know I don't which wow. is because I thought I'd been getting like a good enough sleep but then today I was just dead mm-hmm. dead wow. to the world that's crazy mm-hmm. so yeah I, that's really nuts but you know what I could totally do that I could totally like sleep all day that's something oh, I could totally do not me. I can't <laughs> sleep during the day ever really? once once the daylight comes through my windows my eyes pop open and it could be mm-hmm. If I lived in the parts of the world where the sun never sets, I don't think I'd be able to fall asleep. I'd have to have <laughs> those blackout curtains on my windows. Dang. Well, places like that are usually high up in the cold. So that's assuming you would move to the cold in the first place. Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> well, we, well, Mostly it was my husband that uh, dug up the big trench on the side of the house and he finally replaced that um, collapsed um, um, terracotta pipe. Oh, yeah. It was terracotta? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, my yes. God. Was it built Damn. in like 1902? I don't know. Dude. <laughs> I'm like, Par- probably if it's terracotta. It was yeah. like actually built by the indigenous indians that lived on the <laughs> land before we kicked them out oh my god oh my god <laughs> so now it's pvc city baby pvc city ah uh, um, yes but it's only the the side of the house but it's a humongous trench it's like i don't know like 10 feet maybe yeah 10 feet i believe deep and, no no or no, no length length and then oh, okay deep, i would say three three feet to almost four like it goes it's going down okay so like it started a little bit like two feet and then it's slowly going like two feet. oh right yeah there's Mm -hmm. a there's a um so yeah and he showed me the seam i would send a picture but it's kind of gross it's um there's a lot of um roots there Mm -hmm. and it it kind of there's like a i don't know like maybe like a tear uh like a tennis ball opening size for all your sure your shit to go through so <laughs> but i have pictures documenting that i was thinking of putting it on facebook but i think it's just too gross <laughs> just, just imagine what got stuck there it just gross yeah. yeah yucky wait so can you flush toilet paper now uh no because the rest of the front yard hasn't been done yet so oh. 
okay. But I've been reading a lot about maintenance and there's these like little like pebbles or whatever that you can flush down and with the, they actually dissolve in, in the pipe and then prevents roots from growing. Oh. And so they recommend you do that flush like once every six months. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm going to start doing that and see um, if that helps out. But definitely the reason we had like plumbing issues six months to a year was because of that specific uh, part. And yeah, we did get it snaked out every six to months to a year kind of thing. It would be closer if we had people over, like if we had a party or something. Yeah. Then the next day we'd have to snake it. Mm -hmm. So it's it's been it's been a hard climb upward. Um, oh my yeah. goodness yeah no dead bodies discovered in your backyard no no none of them <laughs> I, w- I was kind of hoping like somebody would be yelling Sarah there's a dead <laughs> yeah, but nothing so far yeah but we did discover the uh, uh, the gas line so that was like right <laughs> if that was like oh my god like I, I have to take pictures again because it completely crosses the water line that's right below it so had we used some kind of like heavy machinery, we could have, mm. we could have died. We could have exploded. Yeah. I, think, I think we could have mm-hmm. exploded. Did you know that natural gas does not have a smell? The smell is added to it for safety. Well, thank mm. goodness for that, because sometimes. So that's how I can smell it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's good to know because man, like one time, I guess like somebody left just a little bit on. Mm-hmm. But like it, nobody was home. And when I came home, I'm like, oh shit, it smells like gas. Mm-hmm. Imagine, yep. Imagine if I would have lit a candle. <gasps> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. How about you, Kristen? What's going on with you? Uh, I am. I was just telling Sarah Jen before we got started that I I'm not doing Whole Thirty again, but I'm trying to get back to at least eating healthier and back to low mm-hmm. carb, which is what I was doing prior. Because in the first 10 days of May, I went crazy out of control and I've already gained like five <laughs> pounds back. <laughs> oh, no. And even though the food tastes good going in, like I have such bad intestinal problems that I felt shitty the entire time and it was like not even worth it. So I, um, I'm, and I went one of the issues was that I hadn't gone grocery shopping in such a long time. So it was a convenient excuse to just order out both here mm-hmm. at home and at work. But I went grocery shopping today. I spent so much freaking money because I went hungry, which they tell you not to do. Never uh, <laughs> and I spent so much money. Our freezer is full of stuff because I, I know me and I <laughs> do not buy fresh vegetables anymore. Because I buy them and then they just go to waste because I forget about them or I wait too long to use them and they just go bad. So I buy all frozen vegetables now and my freezer is so full, I almost couldn't close it. So I'm set with vegetables and uh, Eddie has talked me into eating more fish. Actually, he said he wanted to eat more fish, but I bought more fish. Um, that mm-hmm. I want to try like I'll eat cod um, so I bought some cod and so I I have to now lose those five pounds that I gained back <laughs> that's my goal for the rest of the month just to lose those five pounds use your air fryer for the fish it's real good oh you know what that's a good idea mm-hmm. my air fryer is super tiny though but I will I'll 
defrost them and then put them in there. Good idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, and for the fish, I bought breadcrumbs, but I was in that aisle of breadcrumbs for so long. Did you know that every <laughs> single freaking be- breadcrumb in Ralph's has sugar in it? No fucking Why way. Wow. Put sugar in breadcrumbs. That's the one silly. I ended up buying was gluten-free and it had cane sugar. Did you know what kind of sugar the other ones had? Freaking a couple of them had um, corn syrup. Oh, no. Wow. Oh, you'd corn be surprised. Syrup. They have corn syrup in a lot of shit. And I don't know why. It's so bad for you. It's so bad for you. I know. Because it's it's sugar. Like sugar, sugar is added into everything just to make it taste good. Yeah, you'd be surprised looking at, uh, if you start looking at the labels of stuff. I know I was of the different things that has sugar in it. Like, for example, there is a tortilla brand that I refuse to buy now. Mm-hmm. I think, is it Mission? I think it's Mission. Mm-hmm. And they taste like it has sugar in it. It's That's so cool. gross. The first time we bought them, this was years ago. The first, as soon as I took a bite, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I could taste it so clearly. And I'm like, who the hell puts? I said, I bet you all the white people buy this brand. <laughs> yeah that's what my family like we either make homemade ones or we only buy guerrero yes, guerrero, only does buy guerrero now. yes absolutely mm-hmm. well, guerrero I does not put sugar and you need to eat immediately my mom my like everybody in my family we do not like mission tortillas they're like yeah. they're i it's a know. lie i don't buy uh guerrero anymore because i buy the low carb stuff and the low carb stuff doesn't have sugar or sugar substitute mm-hmm. but yeah it's Read your labels, people, because there's sugar in everything. Oh, God, yes. All right, guys, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting because I'm so excited. What (laughs) time is it, Kristen? (laughs) Es la hora de la La cervecita. cervecita. And today, Mm -hmm. actually, es la hora de la cider. (laughs) (laughs) La sidra, no? Sidra? So today we have a cider, not a beer. It's a cider. And um, I actually, I'm not sure what the difference between cider and beer. This is probably some information that um, I should have looked at before we started. Do you think it's because it's apple based, right? No. Oh, you're absolutely right. I think that makes, I think I read that somewhere once. Um, I'm going to do a search right now that says, what's the difference between beer and cider? Well, while you're doing your search, I'm super excited, guys. You know why, guys? I'm going to tell you why. Because this cider. Oh, damn. (laughs) This apple came (laughs) with paleta de de sandia, the Mexican lollipop uh, sandia. Um, I'm going to open it because I. But the problem with this one that came with the beer does not have the chili on top. So I think what you're supposed to do is dunk the um lollipop into the cider and then put the chili on the lollipop and that is exactly how the cantina served it to me at um at the restaurant Mm -hmm. so yes you are absolutely right sarah beer is made from malted barley while cider is made from fermented apple juice Ooh, fermented apples yes so this cider comes to us today um, from a pretty local, uh, is it called like cidery? I think so. It's cidery. 
Um, and it's called Honest Abe Cidery. And they are located in Carson, which is um, actually they're located in Gardena. Oh, that's says, Gardena? Uh-huh. It says 17812 South Main Street in Gardena. Oh, okay. I always thought that was Carson for some reason. Yeah, so um, it is called Mexican Lollipop. It is a watermelon habanero cider that is 7% ABV. Now, you might not think that a cider has the ability <laughs> to have a kick. <laughs> but you would be wrong. Dead ass wrong. <laughs> I don't, you know, I was not expecting that when like, no, even opening it, I smelled it and it smelled like when my mom cooks chili. Ooh, and that's man. What I, yes. Right now I just smelled it. And oh it made my God. My, yes. Yes. My nose mm-hmm. like, like pucker and my eyes <laughs> yeah, water. It did like, yeah, it did. It made me like, it, I smelled it and I was just all like, oh, damn. And then I took a sip of it and I was like, and I was just was not expecting that taste. <laughs> so I kind of like choked a little bit. Yep. That <laughs> happened to me. I choked when I drank it too. And mm-hmm. part of it was because the lollipop with the uh, chile on it fell in. And so that made it fizz- even more fizzy and it went down it went in my nose and down my throat wrong and it made me choke. But yes, this thing, the habanero in it is so like forward. It like, if you're not prepared for it uh, and you take a big gulp of it, it makes you choke. I don't know how you can't That's prepare what somebody said. for this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there were so many times you you set yourself up for that. I was like, that's what she said. I feel mm-hmm. choked. I can't swallow. Yes. So <laughs> I drank so many of these when I was there at the cantina. They actually... We did not get this directly from uh, Honest Abe. Um, the Tortilla Cantina, which is a local uh, restaurant in Torrance and close in my neighborhood, had it on tap. And they put it on their Facebook, like, come get this Mexican lollipop beer. And they had the picture of the watermelon Mexican candy on top of it. And it, and it was nice and pink and this like really cool, deep, pink red color and I was like oh my gosh that sounds really good and I had kept intending to go oh my god (laughs) oh my god this is and one day I was there I was like you still have it on tap and they're like yeah we do you want to taste and so they gave me a little taste and that was all I came back and I started drinking it while I was there and then I said give me a four pack and um, I, I had drank so much of it that night that they were only able to give me a three pack because I tapped the keg. It was completely out. <laughs> wow. So I love it. Wow. You got the last three cans. Um, but it is available, I believe, on an ongoing basis. I don't think that it is seasonal um, at Honest Abe Cidery. So if you want to try it out yourself, um, you can contact them. You can go to their website, which is honest, uh, the dash honest dash Abe dash cidery dot square dot site. So, and they do offer shipping. So if it is, um, legal to ship to your state, which I believe out of California, 
you can ship to the the western like i think you can go arizona uh oregon or washington and anywhere in california so um it is not beyond the realm of possibilities to um, actually get it shipped to you. So um, that is the, <laughs> she keeps coughing. That is the Honest Abe Cidery House and Meadery. They do make mead as well. And you would be looking for Mexican lollipop, which is their watermelon habanero cider. Oh my so, God. <clears throat> Okay. Wow, that was an introduction. Let me tell you. I want to make it clear that this is fucking delicious. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. It's really, really good. Oh my god. But and it does not taste like alcohol. Nope. No. Uh-huh. no it does not it does not taste like alcohol at all. And I'm like eating my lollipop and like taking sips of this as well. Yeah. Like it's like nice. if I too would tap out their keg. because holy shit like i could i could drink this like non-stop and at seven percent like i'd be up i'd be up all in there like fucking gone (laughs) yeah man like you know how i say that i don't like to eat with my beer yeah but this Mm -hmm. beer is meant to be drank with this lollipop and it's yeah. a beautiful, amazing, magical combination. <laughs> like, oh my God, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, I mean, I'm coughing because the thing is that I put a little bit of the oh yeah of the chili on, mm-hmm. on the rim. Oh, wow, that's an idea. A little bit of it fell on the rim. And so like when I went to drink it, I kind of inhaled the, <laughs> the chili. And so then I started coughing, but do not inhale right before drinking. <laughs> no, do not. Even if you no. don't have any chili. Yeah. Don't F1. inhale yeah. right before drinking. <laughs> don't, don't inhale. <laughs> you'll start coughing uncontrollably, <laughs> but you'll still keep drinking it. Also rules when giving a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So true. So yes, Mexican lollipop. And it's so cute. The uh, the waitress at the restaurant wrote Mexican and then she drew a little lollipop on. I know it is. I thought that was. I thought you did that, and I thought it was really charming. No, it's so cute. So I I cannot wait for them to get it back on tap. I'm gonna request it, but if they don't, I'm gonna drive my little happy ass over to Honest Abe (laughs) and buy me some. And it's seventeen dollars for a four pack. Oh, nice, nice. Mm, Oh my god. Well, I I think I mean. We can go on about how much we love this. And let me tell you, I love it. I love the fizziness of it. it I feel a little bit. And then if you pour it, look, guys. Yeah. Oh it looks God, it like pretty. watermelon juice. Yes. It's so pretty. Mm-hmm. It's a very attractive beverage. But with the added candy and Mexican, ooh, you had me at hello. <laughs> I mean, I like yes, when so I. For listeners. In case you didn't pick up on it, we are all eating a Mexican watermelon paleta. So little, um, it's called the original big slice watermelon candy. So the kind that falls out of the piñatas at the birthday party. Yes. Um, and it's, it's delicious. so good together with the cider. The yeah, it's a great compliment. I don't know who, what genius thought of this combination because honestly, I am 
so like amazingly surprised. <laughs> I do not like ciders. Like I'm not a cider drinker, but this Same. is freaking mm-hmm. heaven. Like yeah. seriously, like well, I am, and I think this is one of the best fucking ciders I've had because <laughs> it's really good. Oh shit! I inhaled. <laughs> Oh my god. And not only that, drinking this is really like entertaining because there's these little rules you have to follow. Don't inhale before drinking. (laughs) And if you do inhale, you start coughing and making everybody laugh at you, which is great. (laughs) Great entertainment. So are we ready to actually rate it? Yes. So uh, for yeah. those listeners who are new or do not remember, we have a five-point rating system where one is flaccid, two is initial, three is partial, four is full, and five is rigid. But we have reserved for particular beers that we think are just amazing AF. And if it is amazing AF, we give it a six out of five, which is Super Saiyan. So, Sarah, we will start with you. What are you rating Mexican lollipop? Oh, dude, like I want to go to Honest Abe and buy a bunch of four packs and give them away as Christmas presents (laughs) because this is freaking (laughs) amazing. So needless to say, it's a beautiful beverage. It's sexy as fuck. There's a little bit of rules to it. It's entertaining to drink. And the compliments of the Mexican watermelon lollipop with the chili on top is just freaking icing on the cake so for me ladies and gentlemen this is a super saiyan <laughs> and actually super saiyan flames come out of your nose when you inhale before you drink it. <laughs> absolutely absolutely uh i'll go next this is jen and i'm gonna agree with um uh sarah i'm giving this a super saiyan i was not expecting like you told me about it christine when you were giving me a ride back home and I was just like, oh, sounds interesting. And, uh, yeah. But I, that still did not prepare me for actually taking a, a drink <laughs> and being so surprised by it because it was, it, it tastes great. It like, it's, it's very charming, I think in design and in look as well. Um, um, and honestly, if I can eat candy while I'm drinking my beer, that's always a plus in my book. So I'm going to go with Super Saiyan as well. So this is Kristen. I'm the one who had the pleasure of drinking it before we actually rated it today on the on the show and so I loved it so much I had and actually I had already resigned myself to bringing it on the show just when I saw the name I was like oh my gosh we have to rate this but um just so happened that it is like amazing Mm -hmm. so I thirdly am going to give this cider a super saiyan a six out of five I like I said cannot wait to drink it on tap again and if i can't get it on tap to go to honest abe cidery and just buy all the four packs oh um, (laughs) (laughs) to gardena (laughs) (laughs) no but seriously i i love that uh jen loves the fact that she could eat candy while drinking this i remember many 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 episodes ago (laughs) where she actually dipped her lollipop in a beer because it needed some flavor so (laughs) so that you know that it just has come full circle guys full circle (laughs) all right guys it's now time for chisme de la semana and i got some chisme for you guys i um 
I just found out that Ali Wong is going has just been cast for a role in Paper Girls. And if you guys remember that <clears throat> Brian mm. K. Vong's Amazon graphic novel series adaptation, it's gonna be on Amazon. So I'm very excited. And if you guys don't know who Ali Wong is, she is a woman that made history as being the first comedian, pregnant comedian, um, female pregnant comedian. Uh, to have her own uh, comedic um, episodes. I think they're on Netflix. Uh, but yeah, she's super funny. Um, she has been, she, I think she co-wrote or, uh, and co-starred in the movie Always Be My Maybe. I love uh, that movie. I know. That so movie's funny. so good. I love it. <laughs> I mean, she is just so, oh my God. I, when I first saw her, I was like, I love the glasses. You look amazing. But yes, I'm so excited about this. I can't wait. Um, do you guys remember what Paper Girls was about? I know it's uh Yes. Uh so Paper Girls is a uh my speakers went out. I can oh. Okay. It says my default speaker has changed to speakers. I don't know what that means, but anyway, okay there. I can hear myself again. <laughs> I was talking about what? Oh, Paper Girls. So it is a Brian K. Vaughn comic that is already ended. I don't know how many issues it is. Um, I don't remember. But it is, um, the way that it was marketed was basically Stranger Things, but with all girls. And so it is a story that takes place in the 80s um, of these girls who are Paper Girls. Back in the 80s, folks, uh teenagers and even preteens used to drive around on their little bikes throwing the paper on and the paper was full of words it was like big paper full of words <laughs> that had and black and white news and black and white and other uh, other stories in it and it came sorry to i don't know front, <laughs> it came to your front door and you had to pay this child to bring it to you <laughs> <laughs> It makes so, it sound really crazy, though. I know. So this like actual, like it, newsies, it, but for uh, for in suburbia. Yes. <laughs> so that uh, is the premise. It's just like this girl gang um, who there's just a bunch of friends who deliver papers. Who um, through things that I would not be able to tell you how, why, or even when or where they get involved into some. T- time traveling antics um it was a very highly critically acclaimed story um i shared with sarah earlier i started reading it because it's brian k vaughn like come on brian k vaughn why the last man is my favorite comic saga is almost everyone else's favorite comic and this had a lot of potential but by the time i got to issue 10 and i still didn't know what the hell was going on i just stopped so I definitely, now that I know that this TV show is finally happening, will probably go back and finish given that it already is done and there's an ending point. Um, also means that I need to start ordering them for the shop because people are going to start coming in <laughs> and wanting to, <laughs> to buy them and read them. But um, Ali Wong is such an amazing uh, comedian, um, such an amazing actress, and she's super nice. I had the opportunity to meet her in person because she was a super secret guest at one of our Heidi Ho comedy nights. So we used to have comedy nights the first Thursday of every month. And um, she 
came one night to workshop some of her material and it was just a, it was just a like last minute thing um and so that was pretty cool and she was super nice and super like just very friendly and happy go lucky personality um she was really cool that is and she's also was she like breathtakingly gorgeous because that's the vibes i get <laughs> yes she she was definitely very very beautiful yeah, I saw her perform at the Comedy Store also oh. as a like surprise um, uh, appearance because somebody that they, I guess, that they had in their lineup bailed. And so she was, since she lived, I think, I guess she lived nearby, they called her and she was just like, hey, do you want to like perform? And she like literally within like 30 minutes later, she was there. And um, cool. um, Mm-hmm. And she like, and she showed up in like her pajamas and everything, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> that is cool. Oh, man, that's awesome. All right, guys, now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? So today we are reviewing They Called Us Enemy uh, by George Takei. Uh, And it was written by George Takei, Justin Isinger, Stephen Scott, with art by Harmony Becker. So the synopsis of this is... Well, in just in general, this book is actually detailing George Takei's early life in a Japanese internment camp. Yes. And the synopsis starts with, George Takei has captured hearts and minds worldwide with his captivating stage presence and outspoken commitment to equal rights. But long before he braved new frontiers in Star Trek, he woke up as a four-year-old boy to find his own birth country at war with his father's and their entire family forced from their home into an uncertain future. In 1942, at the order of President Franklin D. Roosevelt, every person of Japanese descent on the West Coast was rounded up and shipped to one of 10 relocation centers, hundreds of thousands of miles from home, where they would be held for years under armed guard. They called us enemy is Takei's first-hand account of those years behind barbed wire, the joys and terrors of growing up under legalized racism, and his mother's hard choices, his father's faith in democracy, and the way those experiences planted the seeds for his astonishing future. Yeah, this, uh, it is May, guys, and it's Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, and we've been wanting to read this for a while. Um, I have been wanting to read this for a while. I When I met George Takei at uh, Asian Comic-Con, mm-hmm. um, and he was there he's a special guest and um i had a chance to stand in line for his autograph but i had run out of money so i was not able to get this graphic novel let alone have him sign my graphic novel i totally regret that it's one of the biggest things i regret but i did get a picture with him and he's just like so fascinating and amazing so it's been out for quite some time, but we finally got our hands on it. Thanks to Kristen. Uh, she also gifted me a copy in Spanish. So that leads me to believe that it's been published in many, many languages. Yeah, I'm sure it has. <laughs> Just like March. Exactly. And this one, it was a uh, New York best, uh, New York Times bestseller. So um, it, it, I think it, it's done its rounds. It's, and I think it was nominated or it actually won an Eisner Award. I'm not really certain. But um, it's a book that is in black and white and in it's um, it's it's a telling of a sad moment in our history um, and also 
of shameful part of our history. There's a lot of shame in our history, guys. But um, it's a it's a telling from a narration of from a small boy's point of view. So you have that sort of magic magic in in a youth kind of sense, like uh, sort of like um, a beautiful life. I believe that movie was called where the the dad made the whole uh, when they were in camps during the Nazi occupation i think of italy um and the dad made a game out of it yeah it reminded me of that for yeah, sure yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh life is beautiful i believe is what yes. it's called and that one mm-hmm. won academy award but yes, yes it's a this is a this is a book that i feel should be part of like maybe like a middle school like curriculum i think it reads so well and it introduces um part of our history to younger the younger audience in a comic book format um i remember in history in our in, in school there was a blip of a mention of these camps for japanese americans and um i didn't really fully understand it as until i was an adult like mm-hmm. it, they didn't mm-hmm. it's sort of like it was so shameful they didn't mention it to us uh it was maybe like a chapter or a paragraph like in school for me uh, I don't know about you, Jen. It, um, I think once again, due to where I grew up, I knew a bit more about Japanese internment, mostly because I went to an elementary school in downtown LA, and we would actually have trips to Little Tokyo into mm. the Japanese, uh, Japanese American National Museum that is right there with Mocha and stuff like that. So from a very young age, I knew about like you know. The history of like Japanese American internment. I didn't understand it when I was in grade school, but in middle school, when we learned about World War II and stuff like that, and then again, it was only briefly mentioned in school. But because I grew up around the downtown LA area, and because I frequently went to the Japanese uh, American Museum, I knew about. I knew a bit more than the average person, I guess. And like George Takei is a very famous name here. Uh, and there in little Tokyo as well because he did help sponsor that museum he donated a bunch of stuff to that museum he has he grew up in Los Angeles and stuff like that so it's uh, I've been very familiar with that but I think that's mostly with the fact because I grew up in Los Angeles and I knew about it and Mm -hmm. I like to this day, I still go and hang out with little Tokyo with my friends and I still go to the to the museum just to vibe (laughs) <laughs> I like that. No, yeah, actually, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the ways that I found more information on this <clears throat> and learned more about it as an adult was um, going to the Japanese American Museum. And that's where I ha- they had like an installation that I was like, what the hell this happened here? Like, I really was really kind of shocked because I didn't have th- that information when I was growing up going to school. So it it was not until like I was in my 20s where I went to the Japanese American Museum in LA that I knew and was kind of thrust into that whole all that information that was just really kind of shocking to me to be honest mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but so I, I just want to touch upon a couple of things that you both said um to verify Sarah what you said yes they called us enemy received the Eisner award um for best reality based work Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Cool. Right on. See. And then, um, regarding uh, 
George Takei donating money and items and things for the um, museum, we learn, you learn in this book that he actually donated his, the check he got for reparations to help establish this museum. Now, if mm -hmm. that isn't some sort of like crazy poetic literary, like irony, <laughs> yeah. uh, I wouldn't even say justice because it was some like measly $20,000. Mm -hmm. ridiculous after you read this this is actually the second time I've read this book and I was just sharing with Eddie earlier that the first time I read it I was very underwhelmed with it I was like man this is like I, I compared it to March and I was like I'm not I wasn't that emotionally invested I was like oh whatever like okay yeah this is really horrible but I just it didn't hit me very like emotional at all but for whatever reason, this time I read it, maybe I read it more carefully and put more time to it. Um, it actually hit me differently. It hit me um, stronger and actually made me angry. Like the first time I read it, I didn't really have any emotions about it, but it like, and maybe it's because just the, everything that we've endured and gone through over the last couple of years, um, when it comes to race in this country and um, just the things that these people that were in the internment camps, these families had to endure and the freaking gross things that our government did to not just Japanese immigrants, but people who were United States citizens just because they had a Japanese ancestry. It was, it's just like, even thinking about it right now, I'm just so like incensed about it. Yeah, <clears throat> I honestly think this hits us a lot harder now because of all the Asian, um, mm -hmm. uh, all those, mm -hmm. uh, what is it? Racial yeah. um, mm -hmm. crimes against yeah. them. I mean, mm -hmm. there's a lot of- They're hate crimes. Hate crimes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so it it hits us even more. And then not only that you're reading about, um it's not only the people that just immigrated from these countries to America it's people that have already been here for generations that just because they look different they yeah. you know even though they you know American like through and through just because they look different they're put uh -huh. into these camps and it it's horrible I mean from going to the Santa Anita um racetrack and being housed in the horses stalls mm -hmm. with you know mm -hmm. the stent of the manure and all that stuff it's just it, it's freaking horrible it's it, I'm still shocked that this fucking happened like it's it's horrific like I, I can't even I mean they basically like it starts off with you know the pounding on the door where they're like telling him you know you gotta you gotta evacuate your home mm -hmm. um we're going to put you someplace. And then the dad says, you know, um, I need a few minutes because I got to help my wife with the baby, our daughter. Um, he's like, you have 10 minutes. So basically they had to pack up whatever they felt they needed. Not only that, or whatever they felt they couldn't lose as a family, because now you're leaving your home and your heritage and, you know, family heirlooms or whatnot. And, you know, you got to pack in 10 minutes with three kids yeah and and uh mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. 
I just, I mean, I kind of stopped there and I was thinking, what would I pack? Like if somebody said, you got to leave your house and, you know, you got to, you're not coming back and you got to pack up something in 10 minutes. Yeah. Like it's just, mm-hmm. and and then all those possessions, all those things, all those, you know, everything. I mean, they these were members of society that were productive members of society that the decays had a dry cleaning business mm-hmm. and like all mm-hmm. these other businesses that just were ransacked by the government mm-hmm. and just sold off into auction because yep. um, they never returned it to their proper owners. I mean, it's, it's, it's horrible. I, I I don't know how else to say it. It was very moving, but I think the way they told the story through the child's eyes, mm-hmm. um, most of the book really made it a little bit easier to digest but you know the parts where you have direct quote speeches from the freaking president and oh my god i'm getting emotional and how he just took their humanity from them yeah and Mm -hmm. i don't know if i could live through something like that you know it's just horrible it's horrible our our government Mm -hmm. forced united states citizens to give up their U.S. citizenship to basically wager their lives with the Japanese government to trade them people who never, ever even stepped foot on Japanese soil to trade them with people who were being held over there as prisoners of war or whatever. And I mean, they, it quote unquote, like their government is saying, our government said that it was a choice but when you really looked at it it wasn't a choice like the people who who denounced their citizenship didn't feel like they had a choice and like when I read that I was like oh my god Mm -hmm. like that's that's so horrible and yeah people lost their freedom but they lost all of their ownership to any businesses to any land to any anything and the government didn't give a fuck they just sold it off and they those people, those owners of those things never saw a dime. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, no, it's, that's a though, and I believe it was like reparations under Ronald Reagan. Like, mm-hmm. so no wonder it was only $20,000. And I mean, like a price <laughs> adjusting for inflation and stuff like that. But I mean, look, I got, sh- look, I got shit with the entire Reagan administration. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I am yeah. the doom meme that says, when I go to hell, I'm gonna be like, "Where's Ronald Reagan? I'm gonna be his ass." But, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but um, trickle down, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna trickle down the beat down. That's <laughs> but, but like, even like it's it's an incredible, and it's so incredible. I guess no, you know what? No, it's not incredible. It's very typical of American government to have done something and be and then brush it under the rug and keep repeating it because this yep. book was put out in response to when we found out what was happening at the yep. border yeah uh, like george takei like heard about this and he was just like what the fuck mm-hmm. and so he was just he wrote this in a kind of thing to be like hey don't be so don't be so surprised this has happened before yeah. Like, and this is my experience. And this, how incredible is it that we have somebody who can give us their experience about this? Right. Thing? Yeah. And because he was, 
I believe they were like locked up like around 1941, 1942, and they got out around 1945, 1946. Mm-hmm. So he was he went in there as a four as a four year old, and he came out at a when he was eight. Mm-hmm. That's like that's that those are such formative years for a child. Yeah, and for them to be to experience it locked up. There was there's a lot in this book and like my respect yes. for George Takei who I already like because he was Captain Sulu in Star Wars in Star Wars in Star Trek. Um, <laughs> oh no, we're going to get hate mail. Oh no. Yeah, yeah we're going to. Sorry. Um uh, but no, in like I like I like Star Trek and like I I like George Takei and like not only just for that, like I've seen his Broadway stuff as well. He's he's incredible. He's an incredible actor. Um um but it's just like seeing what his family went through and what he went through. I don't know. It just my respect for him just like shot up a lot more in what they not only that, it's it also like he his family lived in Skid Row. Yes. That's another yes. thing. I did not know that Skid Row has been Skid Row like that since the fucking 40s. Like, yeah, goddamn, Los know. Angeles, clean get your shit together. Mm-hmm. Like, I I don't know why, but for me, it's like I know Skid Row's been there. And I know, like it's been, like it's it's been the way it is. But I thought that it was like something that happened, like in like the eighties, nineties. I didn't realize that Skid Row had been the way it was since the fucking forties, and probably older than that. Yeah. And then Skid Row hasn't <laughs> Skid Row hasn't fucking changed at all. No, the way he portrayed it in the book, I was like, that's exactly the way it is now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost no difference. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, man. I mean, and even the people they actually have incarcerated within the camp, like that uh, Japanese uh, language professor, Mm -hmm. like, really, Whitey, you're doing this again? Like, come on, this uh, is just, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's painful to read because you know, it's a real story as an adult but the the narration as a child i believe like kind of like the childlike wonder um uh i don't know just it i mean i'm sure there's many more stories to tell about people who experience this in their lifetime um but it just it's awful uh you know even the i mean I, honestly it's i mean happening now like people that are being just deported you know they don't even have any family that they actually know they don't even know the language mm-hmm. and they're just being deported mm-hmm. um and it is uh, oh my god i just i don't know what to say and i can't say enough like just the passion i believe that you read throughout the pages i think is really just reason enough to go out and buy this book but this is Sarah and I know you guys know this I love a book that could teach you something and this um this opens your eyes and it makes you sad but it's something you need to know that happened mm-hmm. yeah and the the reality of the fact that people are still I mean obviously he was young when he was there but there are people still alive to this day who experience that and are now seeing all the stuff happening here all over again and just like how horrible and probably frightening that is but also just how exasperating that is to be like really we're doing we're this is happening again and it's just Mm -hmm. it really shines a huge spotlight on how little progress we have made as a nation when it comes to racism oh absolutely Mm -hmm. that's 100 percent. i mean and 
there were people that like you know were like third or fourth generation Japanese again and just because they don't look American quote unquote they were put into these camps it just uh, uh it's just so shameful actually mm -hmm. uh, but it's definitely something everybody should know and for that I feel that this would be a great study guide or uh, uh, like required reading for somebody in middle school you know um Mm -hmm. not only that uh also when i read this book i can't i can only think of is like it's very pertinent to west coast history yeah especially mm -hmm. it's very like maybe like this wouldn't be as important to somebody who was from the east coast or whatever but this is very uniquely a very west coast experience and stuff like that even the slur that um uh, that that they use in the book which is a real one like i learned not to use that word from very early on mm -hmm. um uh, because i knew that i mean it was it was like a very prominent thing um um but uh i know that and i encountered this a lot online as well when like in a bunch of uh, uh, like people like instead of using jpn as like an abbreviation or jp mm -hmm. they use the slur and then people like are go to them like hey you can't use that and a lot of people are like what do you mean like can't you like it doesn't it isn't it short for you know japanese and they're like no you can't use that because that's a slur mm -hmm. and like but a lot of people don't realize that that um, um that the, the word that they use is a slur and that it's very like you don't say it like yeah um, uh, there's a reason why the abbreviations we choose to use are JP and JPN and not the other one. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, it's a very moving book. Um, are we ready to actually rate the book? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. All right, Kristen, you go first. Okay. So um, again, I don't know if it was that I just read through it very quickly the first time. Was I doing it for a um for might book have club? done it for the book club? Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't remember, <laughs> which means that I did it like <laughs> the hour before <laughs> the meeting. <laughs> but this time, it really hit me differently. It hit me very hard. It hit me very emotionally, um, and it really just brought up a lot of anger in me. And um, the fact that uh. George was able to uh, like create the character. I mean, obviously he didn't write it, but he created everything that went into the character of Sulu. And the fact that to him, it was not lost upon him that he was able to be such a positive role model for other Asians um, who were watching him on TV because he was smart and he um, became a commander at some point, and he was a positive um, rendition of a Japanese character, which was very rarely found um, back when he first developed this character. And the fact that he's so proud of that, and from coming, and the irony of him coming from uh, a background where his own government treated him the way that he did because he was Japanese, just it just that even hit even harder to me just like how awesome and amazing that was so i am giving this book um the whole panaderia uh tres conchas the champurado all the little conchitas everything with um with this book it definitely i agree with you sarah it should be mandatory reading 
not just for middle schoolers, but I know people that I went to high school with that need to read this book. (laughs) (laughs) I completely agree with you. Uh, This is Sarah, and it's is an emotional topic, especially because it mirrors and mimics a lot of what's happening right now in our country at this point in 2021, um, th- that we haven't learned anything or the government hasn't learned anything from its own fucking history. Uh, so yes, I will also give it the whole panadería, all the conchas, all the champurrado. It, um, it, yeah, that's, yeah. Okay, Jen, you. <laughs> Same thing. I'm giving it the entire panaderia. It is a very poignant book done very much to remind and to criticize the U.S. government for their actions as well, even if it's from the memories of George Takei and, uh, and just kind of as a reminder, like to be like, hey, this happened and I don't want it forgotten because a lot of people mm-hmm. don't know about Japanese internment and that it happened during World yeah. War II. Or if they know it, it was like a brief blip of a mention in uh u.s history because like um i mean when you're taught u.s history in world war ii you're always taught that america was the winners and they were right and that they did everything they they good everything good and stuff like that without you know mentioning the fact that hey we locked up u.s citizens uh because of presumptions of loyalty and race like what the fuck is that like i don't know about you but i don't when I, above all else, like I say I'm Guatemalan American, but at above all else, I do consider myself American. Like if something happened, I'd be like, I don't, I don't, I've been to Guatemala, but I'm not that familiar with it. I know I have family there uh, and like, but I'm not that familiar with them. It's just like above all else, my home is here in mm-hmm. America. I like, I'm American. And I just, and to have that thrown into question even for them as Japanese Americans like that's what a horrible thing what a horrible thing to have someone choose or force them to choose when it's not as so when it's not as easy or it's not as simple as that so I I the book deserves all the accolades that it got and all the praise that it's getting from us as well absolutely Go pick up that book, guys. (laughs) All right, guys, it's now time for On My Radar. And what is on your radar, Kristen? Okay, so I'm sure that you all are so tired of hearing about all of the Cullen Cullen Bun books that are on my radar. (laughs) But he's a busy little man, I'm telling you. And he keeps coming out with books that I am reading and that I am enjoying. And this particular book is actually a book that I highly recommend because it's actually a one-shot. So um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with that term, a one-shot is a comic book that is um, all-encompassing in just one issue. So the entire story comes in one book. You don't have to wait for the next one to come out next month. You don't have to wait for the trade. It's one single issue that has the whole. So it's almost like the equivalent of a short story compared to a novel. Um, And this is one such book. It is called Eden, and it was published by Aftershock Comics. It came out this last week, which was Cinco de Mayo. And it is, surprise, surprise, a horror book. I think Colin Bunn, once he realized that horror was like his 
his jam, he it just he hit his stride and he just keeps uh he keeps churning them out. And so this is a book that is um being touted as uh, a romance horror. And again, it's called Eden. And Eden is the name of one of the um, characters in the book. And so this story is actually the main character is Niles. And he's a tattoo artist who is stuck in something of a rut. Um, he just drinks his days away. He goes in and does tattooing. And it's just a life cycle of work, drunkenness, and guilt. Um, and you don't really know where that guilt comes from until later on in the story. I don't want to give too much of it away, but there's a lot of shit that happens for him when he meets Eden, when she comes in to get a tattoo from him. And she's very mysterious and she comes in and she asks for a tattoo. And she's asking, she says she wants something different, but there's some weird stuff about the tattoos that she um, gets. And Niles kind of gets involved a little bit too deeply and is also entwined in this mystery. And once he finds out um, what she quote unquote is capable of, some crazy shit happens. And so I definitely recommend it. I read the whole thing. It was so good. Again, horror is my jab. I love it. It's my favorite genre in the comic book world. And Colin Bunn hits it out of the park every time. So Eden is uh, $6.99. It is a 68 page one shot. Oh, no, 48-page one-shot. And like I said, it just came out last week. Um, the colorist is Valentina Brisky. Uh, the artist is, oh, gosh. <laughs> a, a big, crazy last name. Talibor is his first name. And Talajic, uh, Talajic uh, I guess is how you pronounce the last name. I'm sorry for messing that up. But <laughs> um, definitely check out your local comic shop and... Um, Buy yourself a copy of Eden. All right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. And I have a Juntos y Fuertes, um, you know, kind of like the same feeling of the book we just reviewed. Uh, this is a post from an Instagram, Flower in Spanish. <clears throat> Again, that's Flower, F-L-O-W-E-R-I-N, Spanish, S-P-A-N-I-S-H. Uh, officials are aiming to transition kids from the shelter to living with family members or sponsors within seven to ten days of arriving to the convention center in Long Beach. It might take some longer in some cases. So right now, what they're doing is they are collecting backpacks uh, so that they can give to the kids to so that they can put all their belongings in and try to transition to their new home. They will be accepting backpack donations. Uh, to be shipped or dropped off at their warehouse in Los Angeles. Um, they will be dropping uh, off the backpacks in May the 14th in Long Beach, California. To donate backpacks for migrant children, please ship directly to Celebration Nation 1919 Vine Burn Avenue. That's V-I-N-E-B-U-R-N Avenue. Uh, unit ES, that's E-Echo-S-M. Los Angeles, California, 90032. Or you can drop off Monday, May 3rd through Thursday, May 13th, uh, weekdays from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, the drop-off enter through the truck entrance and look for drop-off bins on the loading dock. <clears throat> um, so 
if uh, you're in the area and you'd like to donate a backpack or two, right now there's a sale going on because a lot of kids went back to school. Mm -hmm. You can find them everywhere, Ross, TJ Maxx, uh, Sam's, Costco. Uh, if you can find it in your heart or if it is into your inkling to actually drop off the backpack at 1919 Vineburn Avenue, Unit ES, E Echo SM, Los Angeles, California, 90032. Um, so uh, <clears throat> they are donating these backpacks, dropping them off in Long Beach, California at the convention center. Um, so hopefully you can make it and uh, drop off something uh, and help out a kid who's going to yeah, find a home. I read the um, the link that you sent and a lot of people were asking or on the Instagram um, original post, a lot of people were asking about just general donations. And unfortunately, right now, the organization is only accepting the donation of backpacks. They're not able to take the money right now. So um, if you want to help, definitely buying the backpack is the way to go. Thank you so much for sharing that information. Uh, that's one of my Juntos y Fuertes. Uh, Kristen, you had a Juntos y Fuertes as well. Oh, yeah. I'm eating my, my lollipop. <laughs> and so <laughs> excuse my uh, salivation. Um, I found out about this organization called Geek Girls Society, and you can also find out about it by going to geekgirlssociety.com. It is, okay, so I don't know about any of you, but if you were a Girl Scout or a Daisy or I don't know what other girl uh, clubs there used to be when I was a kid, but I know there were many. This is a club for geeky girls ages 8 to 18. Um, so they're an elite group of girls who celebrate their fandoms, share them with one another, and learn all about what it takes to be an amazing geek girl. Uh, it says there are several ways you can participate, so you can check out their membership page. Um, but Geek Girl uh, Society meets twice a month to discuss all the things geeky, make fantastic crafts, play games, explore pop culture universe. Currently, all groups are meeting online. However, when it is safe to do so, some groups will regularly meet in person. It is right now in the greater Los Angeles area, but they do offer online groups only as well. Even pre-pandemic, they did that. And so it says membership is open to all girls on planet Earth. Yes. Um, <laughs> and they also have a Dungeons and Dragons group that meets twice a month for gameplay. So, um, and that's in Santa Clarita. That's far. Ain't no one going to Santa Clarita. But uh, <laughs> I'm just going to go to the geek, uh, the membership page right now and see if there is a cost. I don't see anything here. There's different places that they're showing where they meet. Um, and oh my God, there's a uniform. You know what the uniform is? What is it? Eeky Harry Potter uh, tie. <laughs> it's just the tie. <laughs> oh, nice. I love it. I love it. Uh, it's a Geek Girl Society necktie. <laughs> so um, I'm still looking. I don't see. Oh, here we go. Membership is $40 a month per member. Uh, and there's a one-time registration. That's a lot of money. Well, anyway, <laughs> their sibling membership is $65 a month. So. There is a cost. Um, I think we should start a sponsor Geek Girl membership <laughs> drive. Oh, that'd, be, that'd be super awesome. I'd love <laughs> that idea. <Yeah>. Um, <clears throat> uh, 
Oh, I'm so sad that the cutoff is uh, 18 years of age. I, I wouldn't <laughs> want to have joined. But this is awesome. This is for like the girls that don't want to be in Girl Scouts and they can just do the geek girl stuff, which is yeah. awesome. I love it. I totally love it. Thanks for sharing that. All right, now it's time for In La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? So today we have Buddy, number one, Milo and Otis meets the exorcist. So That sounds so funny. <laughs> it is. And this is actually from someone that we know. Um, uh, and I believe we have, have we've reviewed a book of theirs, but it's, a, it's by Terry Mayo. I don't remember. And it, yeah, and it is, uh, the little brief synopsis is that Buddy must summon the courage to protect his clueless humans from a sudden onslaught of devilish beast hell bent on world domination. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so Buddy a Buddy is a story that follows the misadventures the misadventures of an utterly unassuming hero named Buddy who's a dog. He's a, he's a pug to be specific. Uh, and it's just like uh, Buddy is someone who is content to wake up, pee, eat, chase birds, fall asleep, repeat. <laughs> that is until a doorway to evil enters his home. With the help of Charlie the house cat, Buddy must find the courage to save his humans from a barrage of devilish beasts that are determined to wreak havoc on all mankind. <laughs> and then it says let's just pray that buddy doesn't get sidetracked by something shiny first so the artwork, <laughs> the artwork is really cute um, um and very uh, i i know we have reviewed like it's very familiar i'm just like we've reviewed something by terry before and like it's got it the artwork the artwork is very familiar to me and it looks <clears throat> and it looks really really nice I don't remember. Oh, I'm looking right now to see if I can remember that we did. Um, oh, you know what? We didn't actually review it, but no, it's we, on my radar, we, read it. Um, we did read it. The um, Wicked Righteous. Yes, Wicked, Wicked Righteous. righteous. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Yes. So okay. So we haven't reviewed uh, something by him before, but we have. I mean, at least I know you and me have read The Wicked Righteous, and we both really loved it. Um. um and so, so he's done. He's done quite a few things, and but, uh, but we do know him, and his work, and I'm very happy for for him. So right now he has about four thousand one hundred and thirty dollars pledged of his five thousand dollar goal. So he's oh, nice. eighty percent funded. He's um, uh, he has a hundred and sixty seven backers with twenty six days to go. So there's still plenty of time, and I'm pretty sure he's going to meet his projected goal by then. But honestly, Terry is a great writer, and I really. I really love the stories that he's written in The Wicked Righteous and then some of his short stories as well. So I highly, highly recommend backing Buddy number one. And then this is just the first issue. And the base pledge starts at $6 where you can get the PDF uh, version oh, of nice. the book. Uh, you also get your name in the backer section. Um, uh, digital versions of production artwork and covers. So you just like get like a file of that. Um, and as well as the script for buddy number one and the publisher pitch that he used uh to try to get it um uh, published but uh, the next tier up is 15 dollars, where you get the physical copy of buddy number one with the, the exclusive david schwartz cover you also get the pdf and all the other um uh, stuff that i mentioned as well as a five by seven print on uh, cardstock 
Uh, and geez, that's a lot yeah. for a $15 tier. Yeah. And then the next one is $20, which is the limited Stan Yak cover variant. And then all other rewards that I said before. And it keeps going on there with like different $20 uh, versions because of four different um, uh, covers. So he has like he has like three different covers uh, that you can choose from. That is super cool. <clears throat> I actually uh, saw uh, like just before the Kickstarter started, he would release these little videos. He's yeah. I don't know who edits his videos, but he's super talented because they <laughs> were super entertaining. I actually laughed out loud at some of those videos. Uh, pretty talented, uh, and I'm so glad uh, he is Kickstarter is doing so well. Uh, but yeah, check that out, guys. All right, guys, it's now time for saludos. And saludos goes out to our Asian American Pacific Islander uh, family out there uh, that listen to us, that don't listen to us, that are out there <laughs> trying to live. Um, it is their heritage month today, uh, all month of May. So uh, saludos goes out to them. Um, it's like just super amazing that we get to highlight um, our brothers and sisters in the month of May. Um, this is a period of time where we recognize the contributions and influence of Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders in America uh, to the history, culture, and achievements in the United States. Um, check out all your streaming platforms. There's a lot of movies and content of our Asian American Pacific Islander brothers and sisters. So saludos goes out to them. Um, um, keep the fight alive, guys. And fucking stop Asian hate, motherfuckers. I'm fucking sick of it. Sorry, I just had to put that in there. Um, but yeah, that concludes our saludos. Concludes our saludos and starts the chingazos. <laughs> <laughs> well this brings us to the end of our episode where can they find oh where can they find us girls uh, this is like the second or third time we say it i know you mm -hmm. can find us and everything comadres y comics related at www.comadresycomics.com Yay, you can find an Instagram, you can email us, you can do all sorts of stuff. You can rate us, you can comment on our website. Uh, it's super exciting. We also have information on our Patreon. Uh, what else? And super awesome, cool stuff on us because you love us. I know it. But thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, we have been your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.